Hackers. Welcome to this special three-part series, Regions Reimagined, a partnership between Australia Remade and the wonderful Women's Health Goulburn Northeast. In the second half of 2022, we hosted a series of live panel discussions based around the three C's from our public good work, care, connection and contribution. Each time we were joined by an incredible selection of experts who helped to bring to life new possibilities for our regions and our communities, wherever we live. Whether they were proposing a four day work week, throwing metaphorical fish back into the rivers or love bombing those who would oppress us, each of these conversations will challenge, inspire and delight you. This second conversation was a deeply moving discussion of connection and radical love with Emma Lee, Jasper Peach and Amanda Kelly. I hope you enjoy these conversations just as much as I did. I'm the National Coordinator for Australia Remade um, and it is my great pleasure to get to be moderating this conversation this evening. I'm really thrilled to be working on this collaboration with the Women's Health Goulburn Northeast on this conversation series um, and it it's just been such a pleasure for me to discover an organisation filled with like incredibly smart, incredibly strategic, really fun and really kind people. So if, you, if you've come to this event through the Australia Remade Networks or otherwise, I really encourage you to check out Women's Health Goulburn Northeast, even though it's a mouthful to say when you're moderating an event run by them. Um, and so, you know, Australia Remade is really about the vision of where we can be, what our collective yes is, uh, and also, well, what are we, what's the structural change that needs to happen to get us there? And the Women's Health Organisation, to me, is a real example of what that looks like on the ground, grounded in community. This conversation is the second conversation in a series based around the idea of caring, connection and contribution. And these three Cs come from some work that I did with Australia Remade, where we ask people, well, what is it that you want for your communities? Um, what is it that you want for you and your communities? And we heard some really interesting things. We heard that people want housing, healthcare, education, access to jobs, access to nature and access to the internet. But more importantly, we heard that people wanted the infrastructure and the capacity to care and be cared for. Um, we ran the first conversation on that to connect with people in place uh, and to contribute both locally and nationally. So we wanted to know, well, what would it look like to put care and connection and contribution at the centre of our decision making? And that's really what this series is about. Last month, we talked about care um, with Beth Thornber, Anna Greta Hunter and Matt Grogan talking about, well, why is care important and why might we want to reimagine it in our communities? Um, and some key things that emerged from that conversation were um, this idea of throw back your babies. Uh, if, you, if you're fishing in the river, throw back the babies so the people downstream can have fish that have grown. That was a really important theme and thinking about expanding our boundaries of care. Valuing care as a policy choice and not just a personal problem and recognising time as an essential care infrastructure. Um, and this month we're talking about connection. Uh, we heard a lot in the work that I did on people wanting places where the coffee is free, where you can connect in without having to pay for it, where you can belong without having to fit in, um, and common places and spaces to be together. So we're here tonight to talk about why connection matters, how we can do it better, and what kind of infrastructure we need for it. 
And with that in mind, I want to acknowledge that I am down here on Muanina country in Lutruwita, Tasmania, um, and that I pay my respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Um, and I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders on the call today. And you know, we talk about connection. I want to acknowledge the extraordinary connection uh, and the ongoing connection that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have to this country that we now call Australia and a type of connection that results in like deep care for place, deep care for culture and through time more than 60,000 years. Like I can't imagine being so deeply connected to place and history in, in that way um, and that this has continued vibrantly through the trauma of colonisation and the ongoing challenges of that. And, you know, I wanted to acknowledge it's yet again been a really difficult week um, in that space. And to say that, you know, what would it look like for us to be truly connected to each other, to our history, to place, um, and how could we change the way that we connect um, and live with each other so that we can have a future where we 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 can all fit and recognise the stories and the trauma of the past. So I hope that tonight we can expand how we think about connection and that we can learn from these three brilliant speakers about how to put these expanded ideas into practice um, in a way that challenges us and acknowledges that really deep connection. Um, so our three brilliant panellists, uh, we've got Dr Emily, um, Jasper Peach and Amanda Kelly. And for those of you who are hoping to see Judy Horacek tonight, unfortunately, all we've got is her print on my water mug. Um, she sends her really deep apologies. Um, she's, she's had to go and connect with her family because of important things going on. So we hope that we'll bring her into a conversation at another point. So I'm going to uh, introduce our panellists properly. Like I said, there's uh, captions if you need to use them. Please feel free to use the chat um, and engage as we go. Even if we're not reading it as panellists, it's nice to see that there's life out there and we're not talking into the abyss. Um, it's always difficult to moderate over Zoom, so please put your videos on, wave your arms, wiggle your eyebrows, like frown deeply, go into thinker pose, whatever it is to give us some feedback would be an amazing form of connection. Um, but if you need to have your camera off, that is also fine. Uh, and we will definitely have time for questions. So if you can, you feel free to pop questions in the chat as we go, um, and then we'll also, we'll also ask for them at the end. So our wonderful speakers. Uh, we've got, like I said, Dr. Emma Lee, who is a Trulawoy woman of Tebrakana country in Northeast Tasmania, Australia. She's an Associate Professor in Indigenous Leadership with the Swinburne University of Technology. And her research fields over the last 25 years have focused on Indigenous affairs in land and sea, management policy and governance of Australian regulatory environments. Australia Remade's actually chatted with Emma before and I'm just fascinated and inspired by her radical love approach that she takes to working with people and particularly with some of the more conservative governments that we have uh, on this island. So I'm looking forward to talking to you in a moment, Emma. We've got Jasper Peach, who is a trans, non-binary and disabled writer, speaker and editor from Jara Country. They're passionate about equitable access and inclusion, focused around the dismantling of misplaced shame via storytelling. And their first book, A Collection of Advice and Encouragement for New and Prospective prospective queer parents will be released in March 2023 and I've followed Jasper in the online world for a little while now and I'm really excited Jasper to hear more from you in in more ways than like just little tweets so that's quite exciting to have you here um, and then our third speaker 
is Amanda Kelly, who is the CEO of Women's Health Goulburn Northeast and has spent most of her life working for the um, nonprofit sector. And she's always finding connections between the way we live, work and are in the world. And in her current role, she gets to focus on the long-term systemic changes that we need to consider if we want to create that a life is fully a life that is full of meaning for all of us. And Amanda participated in some of the early work with Australia Remade um, and has this real ability to connect big picture systems thinking to on the ground work. And I'm so excited that we get to keep working together. So with those awesome introductions, we've got an hour, like let's, I wish we had three hours and a cup of coffee, but we've got an hour. So um, let's get into it. <laughs> um, so Emma, I like to, to speak, I just noting there's an interesting topic, but do, are you the, there's a, only one male on the call. That's fantastic. Gender is whoever you are. Just be here. That's wonderful and great. Um, so, Emma, you know, I've heard you speak and talk about revolutionary love um, and th that as an active approach to building bridges and relationships and, and connection. And you've had a bit of success down here in Tasmania uh, with the Conservative government, which is quite interesting. I, I think you don't often think Conservative government like radical love. It's not two things that fit together naturally in my mind. Um, and you, you've said things like all people are humans with connections to people in place. Like, I just love your thoughts on connection and the importance of that and, and understanding that in helping us achieve the world that we want to live in. Thank you, dearest Millie. Hello, everyone. So lovely to look at you, my brothers and sisters, you know. How wonderful to be here. Uh, Coming to you from Plaire Hikiilaplu country in northwest Tasmania, but my country, Tebukuna country, uh, is up in the northeast. To pay my respects, the ancestors, our communities, our creative beings, gave us wonderful lands and waters and airs, night sky that we all benefit from. Okay, love. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm Tasmanian Aboriginal, and so when I was born, I wasn't considered human. Most of us have grown up with the knowledge, you know, taught in schools that Tasmanian Aboriginal people got wiped out. You know, I'm the death of our magnificent countrywoman, Truckanini, and us as a peoples were declared extinct. And so when I was born, I was non-human. I had no identity and I was denied it. <laughs> I was actively told I was wrong to be Tasmanian Aboriginal. It is, it is, it is, it is such a crazy circumstance to have people stand in front of you saying that you are not real. Right? <laughs> And how my peoples in particular, you know, are not a screaming heap on the ground going, but, 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 you know, and actually having families and jobs and, you know, continuing with rights. It's, it's just an extraordinary story. And so for me, history books and this outsized global view about who we are. I mean, honestly, our experience um, in the 19, mid-1940s, Mr Raphael Lemkin, 
used us and Jewish people to help coin the term genocide, you know, and so type A babies, right? You know, and H.G. Wells, when he wrote War of the Worlds, actually writes, you know, in his introduction, this is a metaphor, you know, who are we to complain about the Martians? I mean, look what we did to the Tasmanians, right? And so to sort of exist as this gothic enterprise of look at what the worst that humanity can do, but at the same time being usual, well, we don't actually want to hear from you, right? Just shut up, right? You don't exist. Just shut up. Uh, it's, it's, it's insane. It's just insane. And so this thing of seeing yourself as this place of unbelonging, and if you did, well, you're just so awful that, you know, you just deserve to die, right? You know, there, there is this history of hate. It's so easy to believe in that about yourself. It's so easy when you're getting it every day. Oh, every day. And yet, and yet, as an Aboriginal woman and elders around us, I know love. I know it. Love for community, love for country, love for elders, love for who we are. How do you put these two together? For me, this was just going, having the same old arguments doesn't work. Engaging in the same grounds seeing the same people in the same way. So I just thought I'm, I'm going to come at it as a bit of a surprise. Thank you for your genocide. Thank you for your exile. Thank you for your dispossession. We love you because we get so bogged down in arguing the nuance of, oh, well, it wasn't really genocide, it was massacre. You know, I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> sorry, details. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> and we're not actually digging deep into what it means to love. I have a love of country and for country to love you back. And so some of the loneliest people were some of the most ex extraordinary white male leaders that we don't honestly think of in deserving love and compassion because they're not allowed to. One of the things about Western society is that you've always got to have an answer. Western society has taught us that to erase indigeneity practices and protocols and cultures and mode of colonisation, to fill that void, you must always speak. You must always have a justification. You must always have a narrative. You must always have an answer. And in our culture, as Aboriginal people, it's like we sit and we listen. The elders speak. It's the biggest relief. All of a sudden I'm not asked. I have an opinion to be a leader to have a vision, to have a strategy, to have a plan, to fill a silence gap. And when you tell these conservative white men, you know what, it's okay, shut up. I don't want anything from you. 
what I would like is for us to join together on country so that the pressure is taken off you and you have a place of refuge no one can take from you. When you have a connection to country, when you know your place, and look at all your beautiful brothers and sisters, same from where you're from. It's not being appropriating culture. It's recognising that country has a place for you too. But to get connected, we have to learn from our elders. This isn't a free ride. This isn't a no-strings gift. It's not something you can take. It's a process that we learn to give ourselves over country. It's a place of care and love for ourselves so that we can then put country the central to our life and our relationships, which takes the pressure off us, not standing there looking at each other, trying to convince people across the world. I'm actually standing all in the line looking towards country and that makes us modest and it gives us a sense of humility that allows us to reimagine our place in caring for country because all of a sudden we become gentle on ourselves. I don't have to have an answer. I have to be anything. We just have to belong, have a kinship and a sense of reciprocity and a love, love, love for all that we are. Probably should kick this off to others. So once you get me started on love. <laughs> well, Emma, I just, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm just sitting here thinking, yeah, could maybe we could just turn off the Zoom and I could go and watch the rain and have a cup of tea and just think about the radical things you just said and connect with the place. Like I, I, I'm not going to suggest we all actually do that because Jasper and Amanda have amazing things to say too. But I, I what a profound start really. Um, and I, I think I'm so looking forward to hearing the others respond to that and to weaving this discussion together. Um, yeah, follow that one, Jasper and Amanda. Go on. <laughs> Um, a few days ago before this conversation and Jasper one of the things that you said to me in that chat that is just like ringing in my ears is something like you know when I connect with people I know who I am and I think some of what Emma is saying is, is there around when I when we allow ourselves to connect with each other when people are allowed to connect with place that you know I, th I think there's something in that um and that, that also sits in my mind with another really powerful statement someone once said to me. She was a woman with um, Sri Lankan heritage and she said, I want a place where I can belong without having to fit in. And, again, I think it's like that being in place that allows you to be there but you don't have to conform. Um, so these ideas that we want to be ourselves 
but ourselves as individuals who are connected and held by the greater whole. Um, and I know so much of your work and your thinking in your life is around um, equity and inclusion. And I love that idea about narratives without shame. Um, I thought that was a really powerful phrase. Yeah, I mean, what does connection mean for you in this context and, and your work and who you are and what you do? Mm, um, thank you for that beautiful introduction. And thank you, Emma. Oh, my gosh. Let me just hear it for Emma. Um, I'd like to hang out with you <laughs> for a start. Um, I'm, I'm here in Jarrah country in Central Vic, and when when my partner and I moved here, we, we knew this is where we want to have our children, and we're, we're a queer couple. Um, I don't subscribe to a binary gender. Um, I have an invisible energy limiting disability um, and I'm also a fat person and that's not a negative thing to say. Everyone is a different size and shape. Um, And when we moved here, I noticed that the landscape was upside down. The earth has been turned over and over and over to search for gold. And I think what draws people here who are not originally from this place um, is that we want to know what is the gold in in the centre of our being, who we are, what is real, what's true for us. And does it happen or what? It is just people come here and they figure out they're a different gender. They completely change careers they break up and re-shack up with someone else and then they renovate and then they procreate and there's this whole rhythm um and all the while we're looking at this upside down country that is very dry and very rocky and has all these beautiful wildflowers that thrive in the ecosystem um this country was cared for so beautifully and wholly by the First Nations people. And then uh, and then a terrible thing happened of arrogance and assuming knowledge and all of that wisdom was left behind for um, the Industrial Revolution and it just destroyed so much. But there is a lot that remains because what was woven into country here is very, very strong and it's stronger than than what has happened. But the sorrow is here too. So I think in terms of connection, it's always important to acknowledge that two opposing facts can be true at the same time. Um, anyone who has children, this, I have never been so tired and I have never felt so much love. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. I don't, I don't want to do anything else. You know, these life is like this. These opposing facts can all coexist. We can all coexist. And to connect and to really understand each other, it's exactly what you were saying, Emma. It's about humility and compassion and listening without a need to tie a little bow at the end and make everything all neat and tidy and perfect. It's not realistic, Mary. What's perfect is the mess and the the different voices and the different opinions and different identities and different genders and all of it. It's we can coexist as long as we connect and actually hear and respect where we're all coming from. 
if we can be gentle and compassionate, we can know who we are. But if we march in here like like old mate Cook, it's it's not going to go well. Not going to go well for anyone. It doesn't do anyone in any favors. Um, I think if I can listen without needing to smooth something over, that's connection. If I can sit with discomfort and be with someone in grief, that's connection. Um, if I feel lit up and energized by hearing someone telling me the truth, that's connection. Yeah, and it's so much more, but that's the starting point. Mm. Thank you. And I look, I, I I love that phrase, what's perfect is a mess. And not only because I'm the owner of a floorrobe rather than a wardrobe. <laughs> and I think I think there's human. That's where the that's where the delight is in that, in that messy yeah. space. Um look, it's so lovely how this is all kind of connecting through. Um Amanda, you know, in your work with the Women's Health Goldwood Northeast, like it is all about connection, you know, connecting ideas, connecting people with ideas, connecting people with ideas and with people. Um, and that's something that I know is really important to you. Um, I'd love to hear like sort of your responses to Jasper and Emma and also your own kind of take on what connection is. And then I, I will open it up to some other sort of more themed questions. But Thanks, Millie. Um, yeah, so I'm on Jajawaran country and um, it is, it, I'm just looking out the window here and it is wet and it is lush and I'm just thinking about how it's going to be quite a few weeks before I can get on the tractor and mow the grass out the front. Um, you know, it's going to, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's growing and growing and growing and, um, I feel um, I lived in the city for so much of my life and I moved uh, to the northeast of Victoria for um, my for my work for this role and um, I saw this role advertised and I went, that is my job. That is what I am. Um, that is what I'm meant to be doing. And um, I... And I started this journey into regional Victoria and, and to understand the land more. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess when I was in the city, I, I'm thinking about what, what, you know, what you were saying, Jasper, of like, you know, being there but not being there. I, I wasn't really connected in, although I had a very functional sort of life. And um I actually spent time, um, I couldn't connect with, with this land that we're in now. I found, and in Australia, I felt alien in this land um, and, uh, you know, go figure. Um, but I, I, I uh, travelled overseas. I travelled to Europe and I spent time looking for community there, looking for people, and I spent time in intentional communities, three different ones over a period of about 18 months, and I spent um, over six months in Findhorn community in Scotland, which is in the northeast coast, um, and I found there a connection with people that I hadn't had before. There were people who um, really thought about sustainability, really thought about how to live with each other in a community and having that um, 
having a, I guess, uh, a boundary in the sense that this was the community that we lived in, it really highlighted for me the connections that we have with each other and how when I do something over here, um, it impacts someone over there, even if they don't know that I'm doing this and I'm on the impact. And in that very small space, it um, it really highlighted that connection that we all have to each other. And when I came back home again, still living in the city and took me a few years to move regionally. And um, my connection with the country is so different now. I, I, I guess I had to work through what does it mean to be part of a human community to then be understand what it's to be part of country. And that's a journey. I mean, you know, it's not something that I woke up one morning and went, ah, that's all done. Thank you very much. Um, but doing this work um, that, that, that I'm doing with um, other women and our community um, who are so obviously interconnected um, it's really heightened that for me. Um, so I feel, um, you know, Emma talked about the outsized world that we have. I, I just, it's, it's, it's amazing to be, understand what's happening in different parts of the world and have that connection, but it's too big. We need to localise. We need to be closer. And I think that that's been for me, the regional experience that's happened, and particularly in this work also, is, you know, there are people that are working together to make to make changes. Um, we don't have all the answers, that, and you can't, and I think that mess, messiness is one of the wonderful things about it. I like to call it complexity because sometimes messiness gets a bad rap really um and it's just like it is messy it was just complex and it's interested and it's interconnected so um yeah I feel like that's for me the connection is there's a um we all impact each other and even if we can't see you know like I've got a mobile phone um you know and somebody around the world dug up land to help make that mobile phone and I get that and you know it'd be wonderful not to have it but this is the world we live in it is complex and messy so you know a lot of the work we do at Women's Health Goulburn Northeast is is to think about those broader pieces and how can we shift them how can we connect us better so we understand each other better and can treat each other with more kindness and more compassion and be able to live together more in a more connected way. Thanks, Amanda. And it's so interesting to hear, you know, you were saying about the boundaries, being in a bounded kind of space and community enables you to better connect. And I think that's so interesting because in the care conversation we had, we really talked about, um, so Beth Thornborough was talking about um, she's a Wiradjuri woman and she was saying, you know, she finds it so bizarre that we have fence lines for national parks and on the one side of the fence you care and on the other side you don't. And there's weirdness of boundaries. So there's an interesting thing going on there, like boundaries as really helpful and boundaries as really weird at the same time. It's, um, speak about messy, like, hello, <laughs> you know, our fences is quite interesting.
the themes that um, have come up in this so far and also in conversations that I've had with the three of you prior to this, um, one of the big questions I have is, you know, we we talk about disconnection so often and, and, and link that with loneliness as being this sort of personal problem. Like, we'll just go and join a club, you know, we'll just go get some friends, go to the pub, you know, like we, we talk about it as an individual problem. How do we shift or can we shift that story away from an individual failure, disconnection as individual failure to a systemic problem? And what's the kind of, at Australia Remade, we've been talking about infrastructure and that's not, that is partly park benches and the internet and the telephone, but it's also that social and cultural enablers that we have to put in place. Um, Yeah, I'm really fascinated if you've got any thoughts, um, any of you, I can see you nodding away there, Emma, about what that would look like, how we shift from that individual to that collective and what we need to build to, to create that and strengthen it. No, one one of the for me, one of the greatest tricks of our society of you know colonization and capitalism is to is to make the term rational actor something you know we put on an altar of what we're meant to be, <laughs> and you know ooh, give me the shivers. Um, I, uh, and two, there's this sense that if you're going to care, you got to care for everything, which. I agree with caring for everything, but I don't agree with the space that it operates in. <clears throat> I, I advocate the difference between being a warrior and being an activist. And an activist, you're going to burn out because you're going to take the rage and the problems and the injustice on the world on your shoulders and it is going to kill you. You will get sick out of this. I mean, you know, probably Jasper and Romero, we've all probably been there, you know, wave the flag or bang the drum or protested and what you get, you tend to get, is punctuated moments where you get attention on the issue and you get a lot of people commiserating with you. Do you actually cause change and is it healthy for you? Because how can we have healthy relationships if we're burdened by what colonisation says is, you, you, you know, this is all your responsibility. And so for me to be a warrior is about working and changing within your remit and your sphere and making that as small as you possibly can. You know, we might want huge, you might want huge campaigns of we're, we're going to we're going to change everything. I don't want that because that's not a safe space for many people. You know, we all think that people, you know, we're told we're powerless, which I don't agree with, but at the same time we're also told that we're so powerful we can have a say over all these things. We can't. And so it's funny. I just say to people, what's going on in your street? What's going on in your backyard? That's it. Within your sphere of influence. So, for example, Warrior might just say, you know what, I'm going to change this street name from you know, I mean, in my hometown, you know, Main Street is a guy who killed black women. You know, I, I might just say, I'm going to do that. And you might write a letter to the council every week. You know, you may not make a chance, but this is taking the pressure off yourself. I, I, I don't <laughs> constantly being made to feel the burden and responsibility of everything. And so 
for me, the infrastructure is saying, what is my sphere? What's my patch? Because that's what blackfellas are. You know, we talk about country. I'm not going to speak for judge our own country. And everyone respects that as our protocol. And then Western society says, yeah, but don't you do that. All right. So what, fella? You've got to speak on behalf of everything. Bear that anxiety. Love your backyard. Know everything. Wave, wind moves, it's insect there. And you will actually see change in that grass. Maybe you might want to leave it. Maybe you want to see a whole different bio, diverse landscape. Give yourself time. Because you know what? If it's not neat, oh my goodness, you're probably black trash, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Change your own narrative within your own backyard as to what is the value that I'm actually caring for because I can give myself permission for a messy life, but I can't give myself permission for a messy yard. Right. <laughs> right. How much of it? We all do it. We all do it. Better go out and prune the tree out, better do this. And what happens if that if that is better off for country? What happens if we change our sphere of influence to give ourselves a break and be gentle on ourselves? So this is what a worry is, sin for the long term. And what that means is that I don't know about Jasper working in the disability field, but you don't have to worry about others speaking on your behalf or taking that outrage on your behalf and making statements. Don't actually reflect who you are. Do you find that, Jasper? Do you worry about when people get outraged and all of a sudden they oh. worry about you? <laughs> outrage is just, ugh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to spell that, but um, when you you were speaking, Emma, I was I was remembering, oh gosh, let's let's say two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. I've I've been a marriage celebrant for seventeen years, and I've very recently resigned from that role. Um, but in in my time, when I started off, I thought, oh, it won't take long marriage equality and then it went on and on and on and on and on and on and so I thought what can I do and got involved in some activism doing illegal mass weddings on the steps of parliament um and I think about what doing that and the personal cost there was to me as someone who was quite unwell um it wasn't accessible for me but I didn't know I could say that because I thought, well, if I am to make change, I must give everything I can, but I gave more than I could. Um, but you don't know the balance of that until you do. And then in 2017, when the marriage equality debate was going on, and I just want to say it's not about gay marriage. It's about whether a large number of people are allowed to be included in ceremony and ritual. Like, I don't even know what I, I like my marriage, but I don't know what I think about marriage. I think marriage <laughs> is kind of a crock. But, um, and, and I say that because I, I know there are so many relationships um, that I find on the dotted line to solidify legally that ended up being violent. And, um, and I feel sick about that, you know, that I played any part and not my responsibility can suss that out, but everyone has their own journey. But you know, it's it's not 
something that I need to be involved in, um, connecting those people in that way. So marriage equality debate was going on. We had our first child. Um, and, of course, everyone came calling, um, can you come and talk on the radio about this? Can you write a thing for that? Because um, I'm quite outspoken, and which you might have picked up on. And um, and I got got a real bee in my bonnet about it. I was like, right, good. It's time for me to step up. And my wife looked at me and she said, I need you here. I need you here to help me. When I am breastfeeding our baby, I need you to get me a drink of water. I can't do this by myself. And so I had to zoom right in to my family who was who were under fire. And for the first time, we knew the opinions of our local community about who we were and the choices we made and our life and none of our business, what people think of us. And I hate that it came to such light. Um, and I learned in that moment, you've got to zoom in. You've got to look at your family. And if your family is you as a single person, that is a family. Um, family has so many meanings. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be what people think it is. It's what you decide it is and feel it is. Um, so in terms of, if I can answer the question, I mean, <laughs> if it's infrastructure, um, I think spaciousness allows us to have presence. Um, if there is breathing room in your life and you're not running around putting out fires or, or running down the street making a, a big speech, carrying everything, and you're doing what you can do, what you are capable of, what you have the resources to do, um, to also live the rest of your life and feel well. And well means all sorts of things for different people. For me, well is constantly exhausted. Um, that's me being well. Um, and sometimes losing my train of thought. <laughs> no, but, it, but it's, it's funny. Care, care mm. is this thing of care. And you know what? It's a bottomless pit. And those who do care are then sold this bill of goods that, you know what, you're broken if you can't come through with that compact. So I never signed up for that. And, what, you know, one, one of the things that's really for me, Karl Marx, when he was writing about capital in the 1860s, right, and he said this and he said, Blackfellas, I think probably used the language of natives, but, you know, blackfellas can't talk about them in capital because for every trade and exchange they have kinship behind that. And so they can't be separated from their labours. They can be subject to other people's attempts at it, but they can't be separated out. And so he said, can't talk about their mob. And so what he showed in that is that kinship and reciprocity can't be bloody bought, right? And so in our society, this Western thing, we try and constantly put a value on it. And it drives us insane. It really does. And we have to stop attaching an economic value to care 
because we ain't going to win out of that argument. <laughs> Emma, I, I, I'm so glad you raised that because um, Jasper, again, from when we previously spoke, you, you said something again like, you know, it's a radical act to be safe. And I think that applies in, in so many different ways. And I want to come back to that in a moment. But Amanda, you know, you, you're quite good at putting this gender lens on things. And I think so, you know, from what you've said, Emma, about love and, and care for self and care for that that small patch that is yours and knowing what is yours to care for. Um, and Jasper, you talking about that, that personal cost um, and the work that you do, you know, getting your wife the water when she's breastfeeding, you know, all of these things as as deep acts of connection and and, and the time that you have to do that is an infrastructure, you know. Um, so often I think is a real gendered lens around connections. So I'm, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who she had a young baby. Her husband said to her, you, you can't go and have a coffee. It turned out to be an abusive relationship, but, you know, he would say you can't go and have a coffee. You can't, you can't go and connect with your community. And the, her community was saying to her, that coffee is infrastructure for community that will help, you know, bake the biscuits, look after the kid when you're sick, you know, like that there is work, there is connection is work. Um, I'm really interested, Amanda, if you have a perspective on this in terms of how we see connection as, as being gendered. Mm. Look, so often, um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to caveat this because, you know, not all men, um, but, you know, not all women either. Um, so I'm just going to caveat this, but to say in general, it's women who connect. We hold the connections in our society and but because of this um, need that Emma was talking about earlier for us, always to have solutions, always to have, act, always to do the things, the connections are not valued um, and our way of valuing in our community is money. And so women are always poorer because we don't value connection, but we do all the connecting. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it's that very, very clear example of what happened in Iceland when women went on strike for the day, um, you know, we, we just go, well, how does it work when, when um, you know, the, if, if women stop caring, if women stop um if we stopped doing all of those things, and we're not going to because we're human and we, you know, we care and we want to connect. But um, so, so the gender lens on this is that connections are not valued and so therefore women are not valued and in our society value means getting paid. And so, you know, we're, poor, we're the poor ones in there, yet if we weren't here, you know, if we weren't doing what we're doing, we wouldn't function. And then I start to think about, well, yeah, if we didn't function in the way that we're functioning now, how would it look? What would be different about, about what we're doing if we actually said, well, you know, all genders, we all value connection. We all, there's space for everyone to do the connecting. There's space for everyone to be valued in the same way, then, I mean, that's the change. That's that's what we can do. Um, you know, there's there's sort of that thing of we were talking about um, uh, recently there was some research done not just about what the amount of time that women spend 
caring and connecting. And I think these are these are very interchangeable in this sort of sense. But um, but but the emotional load of what they do. So often, you know, um, you have if you have a um, hetero relationship and often he goes out and you know he does things he does the maintenance in the yard or um you know uh goes and fixes something and uh she gets the kids ready for school and does lunches but you know the the things that women think about in this sort of scenario are the things that are time sensitive they need to be done the kids need to be fed the, the, you know, the school things need to be done. But when, but the maintenance stuff, that can wait to the weekend, you know, when it's, and so then that can be done and then she gets to look after the kids while those things are happening. And so, you know, there's so many layers to this that um, that we don't, we don't think through. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. So that's how I, yeah, that's how I see that gendered yeah. layer. Yeah. So, so my, I mean, Emma and Jasper, you might have responses to that. And I'm, I'm really wary of time <laughs> because, but, you know, but not, not to rush it. So there's sort of two, two questions I have floating around in my head and maybe you can just pick one. And I think the questions in the chat might, might bring us into this as well. Um, I have a sort of a really pointy question, which I know you're all going to hate, so you can skip it, but is, you know, if, if we could change one thing, because we get asked so often and I, at Australia Remade about, you know, it's really nice to talk about care and connection and contribution, but it's a bit soft, isn't it? And, you know, as a woman championing this, well, that's a bit soft of you, Millie. So if you could change one thing, uh, you know, one piece of change outside of you, we've talked a lot about that self stuff, um, what would you like to see change um so that's one of my questions and the other question is actually there's been quite a lot in the chat about um about disability and access and I feel like that is a whole nother important kettle of fish <laughs> um so I think I think we can probably just use a little bit of question time to go to both those places um but if, if someone wants to respond to one of those to start us off if you're like yes we've got to talk about this um leap in me 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 pick me <laughs> Jasper's got their hand up. <laughs> oh, 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 you got Jasper. I promise. Um, I think we need to abolish um, the prison system. It is nothing but the hateful, harmful colonisation or poo. Um, and it, it harms everyone. Yeah. I wanted to pick up on something that Emma said earlier um, because I, I knew you were going to ask this, Millie, <laughs> and um, Emma mentioned it. Um, we have to get rid of the global economy. We have to localise. I'm not, I don't object to business. I don't object to people making money, but I do object to all of our, what we are calling value going into and power essentially moving to basically 10 white blokes who use it to pop off to the moon and come back again. I mean, you know, like seriously. So, uh, you know, I, so that we get rid of it. And how do we get rid of it? We get rid of it by localising. We get rid of it by looking to our communities around us and connecting with them and by community, I mean all community, our country, our who we are, our human and non-human, everyone around us and, and everything around us, we connect and we localise. And, um, you know, I think that's, for me, that's 
that's it. That's the answer. And get rid of the prisons. Brilliant idea. Let's do that as well. I think, I mean, the prisons that you're with, that's a whole other deep conversation, but I think that's an interesting and important point to raise as an act of like deep disconnection is, is that system. Yeah. Um, how about you, Emma? I mean, when you think about our culture, you know, we think about 60,000 years, we didn't move. didn't matter. You know, this thing about um, language of crisis. We're in a crisis. It's flat. We're in a crisis because of fire. These things are exacerbated, but they're not a crisis. You know, 60,000 years we've watched non-Tasmania. <laughs> we had... We told the oral histories of the flooding of the Bass Strait to the whitefellas at 15,000 years old, some of the oldest oral histories in the world. It's not a, it's, you know, to us it wasn't a crisis because we love country and country loves us. We will adapt. And so this language of crisis is about capitalising. Someone's making money out of this. Because, you know, the, they're not saying, well, you know, the colonisation means, oh, doesn't work, move. Sorry, you've been fucked, move. <laughs> and, so, and this thing, this thing of consumption, when I was growing up, it wasn't a shameful factor that you'd never been to the mainland, never been to Melbourne, you know, from, from Tasmania. And now, you know, we, we have to get back to that position where, you know, that, that became, and then through the ages, that became laughed at. Oh, God, look at you. You've never travelled. And now we need to start venerating those people who just say, this is enough for me. This is enough for me. And it's so hard. Because all of a sudden, everything that we've devalued and our quest for consumption has to become attractive. This is the humility that we have to learn because colonisation has told us that what you have will never be enough. Capitalism has told us this. And so we can't be healthy. We're consciously struck down with anxiety. So I actually reject these things as much as I possibly can, burdened by the same as everyone else. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to unlearn. It really is, you know, and even these things, these issues, you know, I mean, it's funny because I've got a little bit of a different idea about gender. You know, we have to value women's business which is quite different from men's business, which is quite different from everyone's business. Uh, you know, for me, that's a hell of a community that I belong to in terms of women's business. And it's not about the task. It's about who we are as women or men or everyone together when we're in those environments. And so women's business is so completely devalued in our society because, hey, guess what? We care. We can't put a price on that. So therein lies the deviance. And so we make women's business stronger. I just say, you know, quite counterintuitively, more of that. <laughs> because then 
things like the concept of disability disappears or written in the comment just becomes part of you. Most Aboriginal people have got some sense of, you know, we don't have perfect bodies. <laughs> Rather than see that as a deficit, it just becomes a characteristic. It, we don't care about your disability. We care about you. And so... We're not framed up by these things. That's where country and our connection to country gives us a little bit of freedom, move away from these constructs, back ourselves, to be gentle on ourselves, my darling sisters. Be gentle on yourself. Love who you are, right? Come untouchable. I have absolute compassion for people who live in cities because their drive is to make the world a better place. But it's through this lens of capitalism that has sold them a really shitty bill of goods. No? We love our cities. These are places of people and connection. But at the same time, we see the most immense amount of loneliness. There's something that's very, very wrong here. I would never devalue people in the choices that they make. I would wish to offer them compassion and love and a space to just breathe. Let all that expectation go to see themselves anew as to what living in a city actually might mean for them and their families and their healthy relationships. I'm oh, sorry, Emma. I, I'm just really struck by um, the power of what you're saying in terms of, you know, it's, it sounds so sort of glib to say less is more, but, you know, that that contentment with that contentment and deep connection to the people and place around. And, you know, in the conversation about care came up about, um, you know, something like a four-day work week or, you know, some mechanism like that. But the, really what the issue was of how do we have time to care? And I think also what you're saying, again, is that time and that space, whatever the mechanism for that, it's internal or external, uh, is essential. And, you know, in my mind I have this image of all of us kind of getting rid of a whole lot of crap and this, like, flood of love coming from you, Emma, <laughs> at the moment. But, you know, that, like, that that power of what we let in. And I think I think there's, you know, there's real courage required. You know, what you're saying has been in the chat is, is radical and revolutionary and there is courage required to, to do this. And I think... We are reminding ourselves that this is not it's not easy work in the same way it's not easy to rest. You know, that's real work and it's and real life, I guess. Not I don't mean work as in the sort of transactional expression of that. Um it's this country, sixty thousand years of people living here, we never had jails. We never had concepts of homelessness, homelessness, never concepts of disability. <laughs> It's extraordinary to think that we never had jails. Mention, you know, we can't even begin to think of a life without this. 
And so we've created all these systems, punishment, when it needs to be about care and compassion, showing people the right way through love. It's it's literally disconnecting people and their families and themselves and oh it's awful. also, just Sorry, to finish that and then I'll let you go. I, I think that's really interesting because it, it also flips the question I asked, which is what is the infrastructure we need for care? I'm sorry, for connection. And I wonder if actually thinking about what you've said, Emma, it feels like expansiveness is what we need of, of space and time to be. And that the question perhaps is what infrastructure for disconnection do we need to dismantle? Um, I mean, they're probably mm. obviously got to, have both but I, I that's really it's really reframed that for me thank you for for that sorry Jasper no thank you um yeah I wanted to to touch on disability and and thank you Emma for your your wisdom and your beautiful perspective um I recently um applied for NDIS support was ready to fight <laughs> because Hard to pick up my stuff on a on a scan or a test, or it's largely anecdotal. Um, but I successfully received funding, um, and that means I had support for the first time. Um, it's very similar to I think what you're talking about, Emma, in that that I I love my body. I don't see there's anything wrong with my body, my nervous system. I've got a very nervous nervous system, but that's who I am. And it means that I have incredible sensitivity and that helps me to express myself and to understand and be curious and all these things. Um, But the language that you need to use to get that help is awful it's not how I see myself it's not how any disabled person I know sees themselves I mean the word disabled it's a ridiculous word anyway um anyone with a disability will tell you they are incredibly creative to come up with solutions every day to belong and to be part of things um but we but to get that funding to get that support which is what community is about it's everyone having a fairly level playing field in that we all get to be part of things um, and we all receive the care that we need and give the care that we can. You have to talk about your deficit and you have to talk about your adjusted life score and blah, 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 all this, all these words that are so disempowering and so um, minimising of our experiences and our hearts and our yearnings and the ways that we love, you know, and connect and matter, even if we are invisible because we are not in anyone's line of sight, we matter. And we are here. A lot of people are sheltering at home um, because there are no safe spaces anymore. Um, and those, these people matter. Um, but I think, I don't think disability should exist. I think everyone should be supported by the community to belong. Yeah. Yeah. Another one of those uh, things where I'm like, where do we go from a from a comment like that? <laughs> just like, I mean, I, I just I Ooh. think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
can't, you know, I, I think that there is so much there and I, you know, for people listening or who maybe didn't pick up, I think Jasper, you were talking about that sheltering at home in the context of COVID as no safe yeah. spaces, particularly yeah. just to, to clarify mm. that. Um, I'm aware of the time and we did promise questions. Um, I don't know if you've been, if there have been any, Lauren, I've seen lots of great chat, but I'm not, I can't pick up the questions. Um, have you got any for us or do people want to pop questions in the chat or? I think there's still room for people to pop questions in the chat, but I can distill a few out from the comments. Um, and the one that I think is interesting to start with is the one that Sienna's just popped in there. Um, Sienna said that black feminist thinkers, Adrian Marie Brown and Sonia Renee T Taylor, talk about satisfiability and can we reach satisfaction, particularly where urgency and scarcity mindsets, and I dare say listening to you, Jasper, also deficiency mindsets are the norms of capitalism. And Sienna would love to explore with you what conditions we need to dismantle these and build infrastructures of care and abundance. If the three of you could just sort that out for us in the next five <laughs> minutes, that'd be great. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to go first because I just talked for a really long time. <laughs> Do you want me to reframe that again? Uh, Sienna would love to explore what conditions we need to dismantle these mindsets of scarcity and urgency and build infrastructures of care and abundance. You, you know what? Again, I'd just say let's. Let's dial it down a bit. Just you speaking this to people in your workplace, in a meeting. What, is, what does this mean to you? What does love look like in our workplace, our home, our community? It's enough. It's enough. You don't have to exert yourself in this, right? Because, again, you know, the patriarchy and the Western system requires you to go big and go hard or go home. And sometimes you just have to let people take in an idea and then rest it out. You know, it's a shitty compromise. As women, as Aboriginal women, as whatever women, you know, people, We've got a lot to deal with. Yeah, we've got to, you know, let white men catch up. And but you know what? Give yourself a break because maybe they'll come up with a solution and not you. It's not yours then. Maybe they'll ask you a bit more. Maybe you've created the space for a discussion as opposed to telling someone. And so this is the thing about an Aboriginal culture is that, you know, uncertainty is valued. <laughs> What, what does this mean to have a certainty around these issues? And are, is that going to be the right track? You might not make a decision, you know. There's a law. You know, and so bring in everyone's perspective. Have you given time for everyone to have a say and a think about that so that everyone feels included? And, again, just putting it out there, letting it rest. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle's off, you know, anyway. Um, yes, 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 darling Sienna, it is enough. Be gentle on yourself. You've actually done the red, you've done the hard work. You can now talk to people about this. Is that not enough? <laughs> I don't know. Is that not enough? <laughs> 
I think, um, you know, it's really interesting. These are these are questions that we ask in our organisation and in our work um, because we're funded to do things in the community. Um, and so we need to deliver on those things. Um, and so we're choosing to deliver on those things by having conversations like this to to and to not come up with a solution. <laughs> But to do this, <laughs> you know, it's it's so it's how do you do that? There's so much tension there, and and it's just like, look, just go away. Look, we're sorting it. You know, we're just we're just going to be here, and we're going to elicit people's thoughts and feelings, and include as many people as we possibly can. And you know, and sometimes it's not possible because we're human, and we have to have rest, and we have to have time and space and so you know it, it's it's there's a real interesting place in that to think about yeah okay we're my organization our organization is part of the system how do we shift the system <laughs> we have these conversations um I'd like to I'd like to talk about generosity and how do we make it safe to be generous? Um, you know, yeah. If, like an example, our veggie patch has gone bananas and I have more parsley than I could ever use. Um, so I'm going to send a little message to my neighbourhood and say, hey, come and help yourself to parsley if you need some. Um, and not think, well, then if people are in my front yard, they're going to steal something from me. You know, it's, it's that how do we make our community safe to be generous? And I think it's just by being generous and then maybe someone will go, oh, that was really nice to be part of that. Um, I'm going to do that too in my own way. I've got some eggs. Do you guys need eggs? With, with the whole street together, you can make a quiche, you know. <laughs> um, I also want to touch briefly on ecosystems and I love especially what what all the panelists are talking about tonight about about really zeroing in on your own neighborhood your own backyard um it might feel small but there are understories and there are microbes that are they know so much and if we can just be with them you never know what you'll pick up you know you never know what wonderful things might happen to your mental health your physical health you might find a bulb and then you've got a pretty flower and then someone paints a picture. You know, it's you've got to think about the ripples that can come from such humble simplicity. Jasper, when you said that about understory, I, I didn't automatically think plants and bugs. I actually thought about the people in my community who are the understory in my community. So the people who aren't like blossoming on the street loudly but are in the houses of place, you know, the ones I don't know because so I think that's lovely to think about the understory of people and plants and animal life and fungi and all the different things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to nurture my son to be a beautiful person in the hope that there will be less violence in the world later. But these things have ripples that you don't know where they'll end up. And I think if we don't imagine it, it can't happen. So it, it's, you know, it's being able to 
open up to those stories and um, even listening with generosity, you know, and and taking not taking allowing space and time to have these conversations and to let the flower grow, you know, to and to have those conversations that mean that boys and girls and people of all genders are able to grow into the flowers that they want to be. And sometimes they're really quiet flowers that are just doing, but they're part of the infrastructure. They're part of the, they're part of the web of the world. You know, it's, they, they might be behind the veranda, you know, like in that, in that little corner there, you know, <laughs> that not many people see and you might step around or, you know, but it's, it's a really important part of the understory um, as much as the trees and, and you know, that let's keep going with this metaphor. I'm really happy with this. You know, those beautiful trees and flowers. I think it's a lovely way of thinking about it. Mm. Lauren, I think that segues nicely into another question you've got there, hey? It, well, it does segue nicely into another question, this idea of imagining and imagining being this portal to realising, I suppose. And Nina has posed a great question. Nina's posed a whole lot of great comments as well, so go through that chat. But Nina says, if we live in the ideal world, how would it look like for you? So what would your ideal world, the world of your imagining, look like? It's a big question. It's a good one. Mm. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I just, I think of a really simple thing, like I want everyone to have enough food to eat of all the different colours there are available. Love and care for elders because everything else flows from that. <clears throat> And I, I feel like there, if we could come from a, we had a world that thought about abundance rather than lack. So we're continually thinking about what we don't have. And it's that capitalist system that says you must have more, you must look like this, you must. So, yeah, so for me, in a, a world where we live in abundance um, and we think about, and we stop thinking about deficit, I think that for me, would be a beautiful place to be. I'm sold or not sold because it's not a capitalist <laughs> transaction. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions, Lauren? There were, so there was a question that came through, I think, Millie, to you online before the session. Oh, yeah. Someone was asking um, what, what is happening or what needs to happen in regions and regional communities in particular to make them into places that people feel connected and feel that they want to stay in rather than moving off into perhaps metropolitan areas? Um, and I, I guess this is, this is a great panel to address that, all being from these disparate regional communities. You know, I've, I've fallen for that because, you know, consumerism, capitalism, neoliberalism, I am my own entrepreneurial migratory being who can make profit and, you know, increase economic growth if I just move. Every government policy is directed towards this. 
This is up here. You know, I was talking, someone was telling me it is easier to imagine the world exploding tomorrow than a world without capitalism. But it is just honestly, it is so overwhelming at times to think about it. But if we treat ourselves gently first and know what's healthy for us, you know, and it might be in a city, but, you know, I choose to live in a region where I feel like I can connect a little bit more with country. We have to have compassion. And if you have compassion for yourself, you'll take that wherever you live because country is everywhere. Country doesn't exist as this pristine thing. Country's in the middle of Nam, Melbourne, you know, Manjin, Brisbane, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And so we have to care for ourselves first and foremost to be healthy and have healthy relationships with country. We have to do that to be listening so that country can love us right back wherever we are. I don't care where you are. You've got to be gentle on yourself and be a little bit fabulous while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I've just been thinking about something that um, I've just had a mental blank. One of our wonderful panellists in the care conversation said, I'm seeing her face, um, said, policy is a choice and mm. um you know you, you that's what you just said Emma you know everything is telling us to move from regions into the city if we do that we'll be more productive units well you know and um and and just you know at the last minute to bring something up that is a bit that may be a bit controversial um you know I look at when I'm not going to go into how problematic the Commonwealth Games are just as a concept, um, but I. But when we think about the regional Commonwealth Games that are, that are coming here, um, you know, that's a policy choice that is, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely antithetical to regions. Um, it's meant to bring money into the region, but what it doesn't do is nurture the people in the regions to to live better lives. I'd, I'd rather spend all that money on local sporting clubs. If that's if you want to spend money on sport, let's do that. You know, like let, 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 think about this policy choice that we've that we've made. Um, so, yeah, I guess to to follow on from what Emma was saying, to think about this is is for us to speak up about how we want to live, and there's ways of doing that by even, you know, as, as again, as Emma was saying earlier, opting out, you know, and, and as, as Jasper was saying, being generous within your community and connecting. So, you know, we don't buy into the, the, the big games, you know, thing um, and, and we spend our time thinking about what connections we could have in our local communities and we live with generosity in there and and it's hard it's challenging and it is it can be dangerous to be generous and um it can be easier to stay quiet but but there's a choice as well we're allowed to be we're allowed to have moments where we're quiet and where we're not (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and we're allowed to have moments 
where we howl and howl. <laughs> I think it, a dog just walked by on three streets away. It's all right, darling. That was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> uh, sorry, Bob. Sorry. I think Cool's answered for me. Uh, my dog's name is Cool. Um, you're all right, darling. Yeah. What is the question? I'm, really, <laughs> I'm a bit lost. No, that's okay. Uh, it's uh, So what's happening or what needs to happen to make regional communities places where people feel like they belong and want to stay? Yeah. Oh, I, I took my, all right, all right, cool. I took my kids to Melbourne recently. Um, I, I had an ABC interview and um, we thought, oh, it's, Let's all go in together. We took them on a tram. We took them to the Bot Garden. Um, and it was so weird to me walking down the street in Melbourne, this place I, I used to live and work, and I didn't know anyone's face. And I'm so used to that now, living in a regional area. I know my community. I know that if I don't know their names, I know their faces. Um, and I have, I have reactions to everyone where I feel warmth towards that person because... I know they know that, but you know that we're all the connections. Um, I think it's it's getting to know the people that you live with, that are in your surrounding streets. And I think one of the original questions was around things like what do we what do we do in a flood? And I know that when the flooding was happening in Lismore, I was really scared because I I watched that footage and I thought I can't climb up onto a roof that's so being alive in that situation is not accessible to me um and what emma was saying we have to adapt and there is so much push against adapting to how things actually are as opposed to how a very narrow group of powerful people believe they should be we need to actually collect information about who we are and what we need. You know, conversations like this and the work you're doing, Millie. That is how we how we make the region strong and safe and loving. I'm I'm so sad that we have basically ended our time. But I, I think the things that you you know you were all just saying things like regions not as a deficit. There's this this real joy and love and generosity and connection to small places that, you know, aren't just about how do we get more cash there. Um, someone said something that made me think about, you know, what are the systems that we withdraw consent from? Like I'm, I'm actually not going to play in the capitalist. I mean, we have to participate to a certain degree because we're not at that. We haven't transitioned yet, but we can intellectually draw our consent from that as a driving force. And I, I think that, that seems to be coming through that idea of living with generosity that point about adapting to how things are and, and the enoughness and the stillness, you know, Emma, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and sit outside in the rain after this and just be enough, you know, um, and that that's, that's amazing permission to hear that from somebody. Um, and I think maybe we, we often don't tell each other that. Um, so I, there's so much more we could, could, talk about and say and one day I'm going to meet you all in real life and it's going to be awesome or you know in, in physical life um 
I wanted to say thank you for this amazing conversation. I had a a very crappy interaction before this with um, the bureaucracy and the disability support pension supporting a friend of mine to get connected. And it was, you know, an interaction with a, a sort of robot lawyer very disconnected from the fact that this person needed care and to come into this conversation and listen to the, you know, see the comments, hear the conversation about centering love and acceptance and joy and, you know, the value of the small in that region is like, I feel really teary. And it's so like, it's, it's amazing the messiness of that and how life giving the mess of it is. So like huge appreciation to all of you for engaging and to, Emma and Amanda and Jasper for being so generous with, with the stories and your ideas. Um, and also thank you to uh, Lauren and Irene for doing a lot of the back end work. And also, you know, Women's Health Goulburn Northeast has, has made this all happen and, and had their concept and done the work. So just, I'm so glad I found you. <laughs> it's such a joy to connect in these ways. So, um, yeah a huge appreciation and please stay connected with us all you know find those of us who are on twitter on twitter those of us who just exist off the internet you know you bump into emma and you know bernie or i can't remember the name of the little place you're from but i'm sure a little wave will be (laughs) welcomed um and with each other Um, so thank you so much thank you everyone Next time in a month's time we're talking with Catherine Trebek and